Hello again, everybody. This is uh, Jason Powers, and this is Hunter Biden's uh, theme song. We know this is uh, this is Mr. Biden's uh, favorite song. Um, he certainly is uh, packing plastic, and he wants to make his life so effing fantastic. So today, let me turn my mic here so that you can hear me. Uh, we're gonna work on uh, the laptop from hell again. I've uh, did some further digging and I actually got a tip um, from an anonymous source. I'll be like uh, some other people and uh, they uh, they provided a essential piece to the puzzle based upon their uh, prior experiences with uh, certain situations. So we're going to walk through the diagram I've put together here and I'll mention the names of the things that I know and it'll explain uh, some of my uh, prior reporting regarding um, Magnolia LNG and uh, actually, actually Texas LNG. But uh, they're owned by the same company, the Glen Farn Group, uh, that's uh, run by Brendan Duvall. So the first report or the first indication of this deal or the situation coming to um, uh, a possibility uh, actually started in May of 2017. Uh, Hunter Biden was uh, attached actually with uh, Tony Bobolinsky uh, to a James uh, Gilliard. Um, he had uh, forwarded forwarded on an email uh, that mentioned uh, the Noble Group. Um, I don't know much about this. Uh, um, I wasn't paying attention to this kind of stuff until then, so I. I only got a very cursory background, so evidently they went bankrupt. Uh, they were involved in a lot of trade fraud, I think in around 2017, 2018, 
I think it's out of Singapore, if I can remember right. And they've uh, split the the split the baby or split the company. So there's like two entities. Um, they're servicing different ones, more of like a trading platform, and the other one's more of a asset management or uh, related to energy and various other um, products or whatnot services that they're uh, dealing with. But anyways, um, this uh, Noble Group was on the block. It was on the market, and uh, they were um, kicking this around through uh, CEFC, which is the Chinese Energy Company, Energy Fund Company. That's what it's called, or committee, sorry. Um, so anyway, that CEFC was uh, the one that was tied to Patrick Ho and um, uh, the Chairman Yi and a bunch of other uh, uh, Chinese cronies. And a Jaiki Bao, which we'll get to in a second. So during the summer of 2017, Hunter Biden received a lot of uh, money, in particular from this little little group of cronies. Uh, actually, put together a, a legal contract. And I remember reading one email. He said, "Well, I put a million dollars in here." He didn't, you know. He just said, "We'll start there" or something. And that's what the letter was actually made for, and it was stamped uh, by this uh, uh, China, uh, China Energy Fund Committee. Uh, but there was other cash payments and whatnot, and they were going through his Wells Fargo account and amongst other places. So by October 2017, uh, he uh, acquired uh, Jaiki Bao, who was his assistant on these uh, Chinese affairs and matters, and they she was putting together presentations uh for him in regards to uh, there was a couple of different things that were going on the plate at the time they had a rosneft deal early october and then they moved on to a um later on they went uh to a um what do you call it uh the the monkey island magnolia uh presentation is a 17 page presentation so she had translated this into Chinese uh, for the investors that they were talking to. And at that time, that was about the time that Patrick Ho had got arrested in November of uh, 2017. And so their their deal fever kind of cooled a little bit. Uh, they were going into the holidays, into the year. Like most places, uh, they're more worried about wrapping up the books than they are about doing deals. So... Deal fever cools during the winter time or early winter time, and then it kicks off. And then next year, once everybody's got their uh, concepts put together, so that's where she steps in again. So when she was putting these presentations together, she uh, uh, provided her unsolicited input about uh, which projects she thought were worthwhile to work on, and they were tied specifically to Louisiana. And she did mention Magnolia, and she did mention Louisiana. So in January 2018, uh, she put together like a little summary list of what she wanted uh, to work on for with uh, Hunter. So I'm going to read some of this uh, letter. So she wrote this on January 8th at 4.25 in the morning. And she's like, Happy New Year, Hunter. And let's see here. Uh, she was saying, enjoying my last day of vacation before going back to work tomorrow. And then she, uh, interesting reading, new thoughts, blah, blah, blah. So she goes on and, and uh, on uh, page two of this email, 
So she talks about research. She said New Year's business idea for Hunt, uh, Hudson West, which is uh, this uh, actually the Hudson West was what was attached to uh, the um, the Monkey Island um, presentation. So it was Hudson West three was this uh, business dealing. So she titles um, a uh, research. I mentioned to you about the idea of selling research or having Hudson West research publication as a paid service billable deliverable to the mothership of any other partners so we'll skip down here she says i have not forgot to translate my 50 uh, 50 plus page chinese report on natural gas into english for you but before the holiday season vacation i i was caught up by one assignment after another uh, another task at the office so well i i just want to bring that out that the fact that you know um translation to chinese of course and on natural gas so that was something and then at the very end she said promise our mini book on natural gas is very comprehensive and practical of course that's what we're looking for so at least from their standpoint uh and then um she goes on my personal contact whom i hope to introduce to you plus potential deals for hudson west um through my previous work I have built a few professional and personal connections whom I felt might be helpful for us to talk to for potential deals, ideas for Hudson West. For instance, my family friend, David Eldon, chair, chairman of HSBC Middle East and board of director of Noble Group, might be a person I think you would uh, worth your time to talk to, uh, besides exploring possibility for business collaboration. And then I'll go on here. So the next thing she talks about, she says, same thing with a couple other of my contacts in the energy sector, such as uh, Joy uh, Bashwar of uh, Natixis, plus my other Natixis contacts and friends. And we'll get into that in a second here. And then she talks about uh, going through at the very end. So she talks about Noble, HSBC, uh, Natixis, and uh, KLS Diversified for Distress Energy. And she's got some names next to it. So, getting back to this presentation. So, she mentions Natixis. Natixis is a, um, it's a French bank. Um, <clears throat> French investment. Um, they, they're owned. Uh, it's a subsidiary of, I forget which one it is. It isn't, it isn't Societe Generale, though. Societe Gen Generale was... Uh, or however you pronounce that uh, is uh, uh, was involved in the, the deal here, but at a later stage. But anyway, so July of 2018. So this was just you know six months later. Uh, Natixis, Apollo, and uh, Sumitomo uh, Mitsu Banking Corporation, which is a Japanese uh, entity, is one of the three major banks in Japan. Uh, were involved in a $700 million um, uh, debt financing round. And like I said, this was July 2018 for Infragen. Or Infragen is a subsidiary of Glenfarm Group, which is run by Br Brendan Duvall. So they made a $700 million investment in this uh, this uh, startup. As it, or, you know, like I said, debt financing is what they called it. Uh, or at least that's the way it's called on Crunch uh, Crunchbase. So I don't know all the particulars behind it, but uh, Apollo ran some of the the um, 
you know, selling of it, uh, the debt, and you know, so on and so forth. But it isn't a small, insignificant amount of money. That's a lot, you know, fairly substantial amount of uh, around there. So that got passed on, and uh, initial um, uh, later on, Glenfarn Group and Partners Group, uh, they I own a they split the baby within Infragen, which is located essentially in Chile, Colombia, and Panama. Uh, they do um, solar projects. At least according to what I can uh, uh, ascertain, they do a lot of uh, supposedly green energy uh, projects. So they're splitting the baby there. And um, <clears throat> uh, Partners Group and Glenfarn, they did that later on, I think as uh, ostensibly in I think 20, late 2019 going into 2020. But the structure, they had a structured financing split that was uh, um, important, at least from my standpoint, to, to kind of point to. So Scotia Bank, uh, Calapatria, and uh, Davi uh, Vendia, Vendia, which is, uh, let me just spell it because I can't pronounce it. It's D A V I V I E. NDA. So, if you can uh, pronounce that, but it, these are the two bankings, uh, two banking entities that uh, handled the majority of the structured financing split, which was eighty-two percent. They each got forty-one percent of that, and there was a a third bank that's based out of I think Colombia or Panama. I can't remember, but it got the remaining bit of this. So a lot of this is a lot of this is very technical financing, and I didn't get into all the particulars. I just pulled out some things I thought were fairly uh, important names, uh, certain splits. Um, but a lot of these documents are hundreds of pages long, and it, they're not really. Um, it's just tough to break it down into like a one or two page summary. So. So Brennan took over this, you know, he's been running this uh, Glenfarn group, uh, but that wasn't, like I said, that was a fairly new uh, development, uh, 2019's when he put that together. Um, these, um, so he took over the distressed sale of Magnolia and uh, Texas LNG in May of 2020, and as I've discussed in my other uh, parts of the reporting, um, Hunter Biden was a... Uh, it seems very uh, interesting that many of the along the way, many of the steps along the way after LNG Limited was uh, basically they pulled their financing. Wall first Wall Street uh, pulled the financing there, and the people that were the advisors to First Wall Street are, um, like I said, a federal judge um, and also the former director of the CIA. And then there was another group that had come in, um, ostensibly um, uh, representing, uh, you know, a, a way to be a placeholder, or put us. Uh, basically, they were holding the deal for Glen Farm, um, and possibly, or they were um, a part of a third party that was interested in, in, in putting in a deal on this particular project, the, specifically the Magnolia. Um, piece I was seeing I, I assume sorry it's late uh, late at night when I'm doing this so that was a global energy megatrend limited which was kind of put together they they didn't they actually didn't put the, together this uh, situation until late 
2019 or September, I think it was. And then um, they tried to come in and it just so happened that the the guy who was a part of the big name on this, or at least the name that was most visible, I won't know if he was the biggest name, um, according to some of the sources I have. Uh, he, <clears throat> he had been e- emailing also Hunter Biden. So Biden's connections to all these people is, you know, put puts puts in perspective that this isn't just by accident that this is going on. So anyway, uh, this deal got through uh, Duvall. Now the interesting, uh, an interesting por- portion of this is uh, throughout this entire time, this uh, Magnolia in Texas, uh, these uh, projects were represented by KNL Gates as a um, as a law firm. And they have some people that are connected back to Hunter Biden, but uh, I don't think that was the primary conduit through this, the way this worked. But uh, KNL had received over seven hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, of uh, <clears throat> money for lobbying and and doing uh, counsel. They were representing, you know, filings and whatnot, and. When it came time for this particular deal to close, when this deal closed in June of 20, uh, I think it was June 22nd of 2020, so there was a reporting uh, process that has to go through when you deal with the Department of Energy contracts about change of control, uh, who, you know, basically who who's holding, who who is a party to this uh, project, and, you know, do they understand what they bought, you know, that kind of deal, I don't it goes a little bit more complicated than that, but ostensibly, uh, Department of Energy knew about it. But uh, the filing that uh, the lead uh, lobbyist on this case, uh, somehow or another, he waited six months before he made any indication of the change, and it actually was pre- presented to him through a one of his uh, cronies or one of his partners at K and L Gates. Uh, who resides in Boston and shouldn't have had anything to do with the project, at least from what I can tell, because uh, this uh, this uh, fellow, uh, David here, uh, had been on this project since, I think, 2014 or 2015. So if anyone was going to know anything about the project, he should have known, and he shouldn't have had to be reminded uh, to put in paperwork that most lawyers are very, uh, very very aware of and do quite uh, quickly, especially when there's something as big as the change of uh, you know ownership. So, anyways, uh, going forward, uh, in February it was February seventeenth, twenty twenty one, is when um, this uh, Glen Farm um, LL basically this Glen Farm Group LLC um, they made it they made it a merger corporate they had made it a merger there's steps that they went through there's n- multiple names to this uh entity but glenn farn is ostensibly the name that you need to remember um so they created a you know a corporation they basically did a corporation incorporated it so that they could uh, put it on the market uh, put it on a ipo path to get it on listed on the nasdaq so they uh created uh, the stock so purchasing and of the stock, they had 22.5%, which was tied actually back to June of 2020. So I, they had a blind trust. In other words, you don't know what's in, you don't know who owns this uh, stock, but they put up some money. It wasn't that much, but they did put up money. 
uh, for certain Class A and Class B shares, and they own 22.5% of the company. Now, uh, Brennan is the one who manages that, and the remaining 77 or yeah, uh, 77.5% has uh, uh, got on the market. They had an initial public offer, offering. Uh, they went through some other uh, sales and acquisitions and whatnot since that time uh, regarding uh, South America in particular. But uh, in late 2022, they dissolved the dissolved the company as far as a, a being all listed on the stock exchange. And the people that currently hold shares are uh, in the process of deciding whether they want to re-up or you do whatever they want to do with their their positions whether they want to sell it but as far as i know he has until march late march of this year to uh make this a, a workable entity because i think the initial paperwork had it as a there was a two-year limitation so the the curious thing about that is that, so it's coming close to the decision point uh, next month so this uh, Continental Stock Transfer and Trust holds these blind shares. And it happened to be that this inf information was uh, held by uh, Greenberg and Tor uh, let's see, uh, 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 Trarig, which is uh, a Miami-based uh, law firm. So they did the processing of this. And they have a New York office, but the information or the or the uh, stock warrants uh, were sent to you sent to uh, the Miami location, and it was interesting. They even put in a special letter regarding this this uh, sale, because um, when they filed their paperwork through the SEC, they said that New York law would apply to the any situation. Say, for example, someone has a dispute or concern, that New York law would apply to this. Uh, entity uh and specifically the southern district of new york and uh and, and it was kind of interesting considering it's a delaware incorporated entity and it operates in texas and louisiana but uh greenberg put in a letter and said that they didn't uh they in a roundabout way they said we don't necessarily agree with this uh statement in the amendments that you have listed so some kind of conflict has been going on here. So going forward, the thing I'm getting at with some of the stuff is we need to back up here to the Natixis. So uh, Jaiki Bao, of course, uh, had sent uh, um, information in that letter and mentioned a couple people. And I found uh, that the, this uh, Natixis guy that they, she was talking about, this Bashwar, uh, she the other the last name was kind of switched around but i found the right person who's attached to this and it's just interesting that i i found that and being that i did it leads one to believe that you know they uh this uh this deal that was uh put together earlier on in 2018 or mid 2018 uh it's a pretty good indication that there was coordination done uh, through uh, this uh, Chinese energy fund in regards to the funding that got pushed through to Brendan. Now people said, well, 
the date between when she talked about this and the date of the sale of Magnolia. Well, two years seems like a long time, but if, if you're a patient uh, group, which is the Chinese, and, uh, you know, this entity that they put together got, you know, eventually uh, subsumed it's a pretty good, a good, pretty good indication that there was probably some other back channel talks that were made to Brendan and his group, or they approached him, and we don't know what was said, but we can ascertain that he obviously accepted the deal, and he's tied to Macquarie, which is a international finance outfit. At least that's what I'm saying. That's his background, even though he's located in New York City. Um, his uh, his experiences come through that that uh, particular uh, pedigree because he's been working on deals there. He started in the late '90s and came through. Uh, he's an investment banker. I don't per, I don't foresee him being anywhere near an energy expert, which is part part and parcel to the situation here. We have people that are just about making money, and they're not about what energy policy or energy uh they sell it but you know whatever they're just they're salesmen they're not uh, actually interested in doing uh good energy policy of course so uh you know people there'll be those that have complained well don't you care about the free market uh not when it's in the hands of the kind of people that are usually involved with these deals so anyway um the name, the, the other name, David Eldon, works for HSB. I looked up his information. Um, yeah, he he's uh, nearly 80 years old, so he's another old cat, as I mentioned before, with uh, the other group of uh, CIA operative and uh, the judge, uh, and also the the guy who uh, was putting in the holding bid. So we're talking about people that are around the ages of. Uh, Joe Biden and I didn't even look him up to see if he actually had any interaction with Joe Biden just based upon his age but you know HSBC is not a a small entity by any stretch of the imagination and he happened to be uh I just read up a little bit on him and you know it it stands a reason that he's he's heavily connected to Hong Kong he's actually pro he's very pro China he's not pro Hong Kong and by that I mean uh, there was a little snippet in there about him uh, saying that the protesters, this was back, I don't know, about six, seven, eight, eight years ago. Uh, he was saying, well, the protesters need to just cool their jets and uh, get on with uh, get on with life. In other words, uh, he's, he's your typical, uh, he doesn't like anything disruptive. These people love certainty. And when I'm, by certainty, I mean they like, they want certainty so they can make money off of it. So my hypothesis here is that somehow this money, uh, eventually these stock shares are getting transferred. Whoever has the ownership of this, I don't know if it, I can't say for any certainty that it's Biden. It could be the Chinese, um, very well could be. And the, uh, where these uh, stock shares and uh, a lot of the transactional deals go through, I, I've kind of got a couple spots based upon uh hunter biden's background and there was also some other information that i left off so this uh deal that uh uh, brendan was putting together for infrogen uh down in south america uh the the engineering um 
uh, analysis of it was done by Black and Veatch. And so for those who remember Black and Veatch is tied to Metabiota. Um, it's kind of interesting that they did that. So it makes me think that the, the this information of, that Biden, again, is involved in this in, in many ways or many respects because it involves a heavily connected government outfit. So I'm thinking it's going to be that either Hong Kong, Shanghai, Miami, San Francisco, or Boston. Those are the five locations that I have where money would possibly flow through. And I did some mapping of each one of those areas. And of course, for example, there's, and also there's a, a slim possibility that the Japanese bankers, Japanese banks are being used and consulates are being used in the process as well. So there's a Japanese angle. There's a, also a, a Canadian angle that I haven't fleshed out at all, really. But I, Scotia is uh, located downtown right across the street from all the major, uh, uh, let's say, uh, lead points that I had come up with prior to this. So it makes me wonder if there isn't some connection there. So... I'm going to leave it there for now. I think I've uh, talked enough about this. Uh, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll appreciate uh, that, uh, yeah, this is an ongoing investigation and uh, we're trying to uh, get to a conclusion. And it might, it might be a while, but uh, I think I'm on the right track here. <laughs>